We're glad that you've come out to be with us tonight, and I, like uh, the rest of the brethren, would like to thank you for being here. And I do see some visitors in the, in the audience that I hadn't noticed before. One person that I work with, Luke Holloway, and Luke, I really appreciate your presence here tonight. That means a whole lot to me. It's, uh, it's always encouraging to see when others come out to support you. But I did notice that the elder up here told me that he, he always thought I did a good job, and he went straight to the back, so that's not a good sign, is it? I want to begin our journey tonight in Acts chapter 17 uh, regarding Paul. We're going to be studying from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, but Paul, in a little bit of history about the church at uh, Thessalonica, began in Acts chapter 16 to get a little bit of background about it. He was preaching to those in Macedonia. The Holy Spirit had called him to come over there in Acts chapter 16. And while he was in Macedonia, he baptized the Lydia in her household. And then he was put in jail because of that. And when he was in jail, he and Silas began, or he and, uh, I can't forget who he was in there with now, but they began to sing and to uh, pray and, and uh, the prison began to shake. And the, the straps were loosened that were holding them tight. The jailer began to take his life and Paul told him, not to, and he ended up baptizing him in his household. After that, they were, they were told that, uh, that they were Roman citizens, and that made the rulers of the city very nervous, and so they asked Paul and Silas to leave. So when they left, then they journeyed on down to Macedonia. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 4, we pick up there, it says, Now when they passed through Ampulus and Apollonia, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and there there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul and his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded with a great multitude of the devout Jews, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. One of the things that you want to notice about Paul and his life is that he was persecuted beyond belief for the things that he believed in. If we look at uh, Corinthians, it talks about all the things that Paul went through in his life because of preaching and teaching the gospel. And that's always been a great example to me because there are many times in my life that, you know, it's been difficult to talk to someone about the gospel. But Paul was one who really had love in his heart. The, the meaning of agape love is a will to do good. And we notice that Paul, who was run out of one city, went straight to another and began to preach and to teach the gospel there. And we're going to find out that not only did he begin to preach and to teach the gospel, but those people from, uh, from the other city, Philippi, came and began to speak against Paul, to speak to those brethren and to stir them up. But Paul, he was, he was one who just could not hold back what was in his heart about God Almighty. And that should be really our attitude in life. If we fully believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that salvation is there for all men, should we not be willing to speak to others about him? I've often thought or of a scene that, talk about the judgment scene a, a, and somebody standing there in front of me and he's got his head in his hand and I'm wondering what in the world is he doing with his head in his hand? And finally, this gentleman gets to go up before the Lord, and he says, what are you doing with your head in your hand? He said, well, I was given two choices, either to deny you or lose my life. 
and so I wouldn't deny you, so they cut my head off. And then if I would start to remember about how embarrassed I was to talk to somebody about the gospel or something, I believe I'd be pretty nervous, wouldn't you? So there are many instances that we might think that we are very embarrassed about talking to someone or we're embarrassed about what those around us would think. Paul didn't, didn't have any of those problems at all in his life. He was beaten and shipwrecked and all those things, and, and he still went forth preaching and teaching the gospel. And he was no different in this city of Thessalonica where he came there. He worked, and he worked hard for all of them. And he, he, he wanted it so much that it didn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile, he wanted you to be saved. We can see a, a, a little bit of scenario of this. is Acts chapter 26, verse 28 and 9. As he's preaching to, to Agrippa there, he says, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except without these chains. And then he makes another statement Paul does in Romans chapter 9, verses 2 through 4. I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I would, could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, and, and the covenants, the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. He said, I think about my brethren, my countrymen, and I want them to be saved, but they won't listen. If you notice, when Paul went into different cities, the first one that came up against him was mainly the Jews. And that, that really hurt Paul, I'm sure, very, very much. As he went into Thessalonica, it says that he began to reason with them of the scriptures. That would have been the Old Testament, no doubt. And as he began to teach these people, you notice another thing about Paul. He began to teach them from the scriptures. He didn't say, I think, or don't you think, or I feel like, or any of those things. He offered evidences for those people to take into their knowledge, into their, to their minds and into their hearts, and to view it for themselves and to come to a decision. Because if you're going to come to a decision to be a Christian, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. Nobody's going to be able to make it for you. You're going to have to make it for yourself. And as he reasoned to them, he reasoned it out of the word of God, and it truly, at that point, they believed that this was the word of God. Why? Well, he could have used something like, in examples of giving Christ how he fit the scriptures, that he was born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. That he was from the tribe of Judah, Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. That he was a descendant of David, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. He came at the predicted time in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. And the miracles that he performed, the resurrection of the Christ, all those things, the people that saw him, he would have used all that evidence to back up what he was saying. So that they would have had the proof, undeniable proof, that Jesus was the Christ and that this was the word of God. It was not from man, it was from the word of God. When you view something as being from the word of God, that makes a big difference. Because when you view something as being from the word of God, the difference that it makes is, is overwhelming in your heart. They accepted it as God's word, and their attitude toward that word was how they received it. Anytime that we receive something into our life, our attitude as to how we accept that has a big bearing on how we handle it. Let me give you an example. 
all of us are familiar with what a certified letter is. A certified letter is a letter that the postman would bring to your house and that you would have to sign for it. Usually it's a letter that has maybe something to do with important information, information that the sender wants to know that you have received a copy and that you know that he knows that you know that he's received, that you've received that copy. And so the importance, the, the, the importance of the information then becomes to a great import of how you handle that subject. Well, I often wondered, what if God sent us his word and we had to sign for it? Would we handle it any differently, knowing that God knows that we've received that word and now we're responsible people that we have to react to that? Well, you know, if you stop and think about it, God does know that we received his word because he knows everything, doesn't he? He has all intelligence. There's nothing that you can't, that you can tell God that's new to him. Nothing. Think about that. Nothing. So God knows that we have the word. Once I know that that word is from God, then I have a decision to make. How am I going to react to it? And the Thessalonians, they decided that they were going to act in a positive way. When Jesus talked about the word, he made statements of, thus saith the Lord, or it is written. And that gave great credibility to it. That gave a great deal of weight to it. Because it wasn't Jesus speaking, it was God Almighty speaking. And he wanted the people to know that. This isn't from me. It's from God Almighty. And the weight becomes severely important. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 105, the, the uh, writer says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word that God has written. It guides us through life in everything that we do. In Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What this means is that it's directly from the breath of God. It's God's mind. It's God's heart. And we have it to read and study from. And we can, as, as we hear, as we read it, as we study it, it should have great importance in our life because it should guide our path. And it is a light unto our feet. It tells us everything that we should do and how we should do it. Paul, in relationship to that word, he tells the, he tells the brethren, he says that we are to conform to the image of Christ, just as he was. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse, and verse 1. In chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1 and 2, Paul also says this, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We're not to conform to this world. We're not to be like this world. When people look at us, they should see something different than the world. And I hope that when they do look at us, that they do see something different. As we go on and study and look at the, at the Thessalonican brethren, we can tell that the world did see something different in them. So Paul, it, Paul tells us that we are to transform to something different. That word transform, let me put it like this. There was, there's a group of movies out about the Transformers. 
and what it is is may look like a car or something else, then all of a sudden they turn into something different, a superhero or a robot or something like that. Jeremy with young boys, I'm, I'm sure he's familiar with that. And what God tells us is that we, are, we were a part of the world and people could see that, and now we're going to transform into something different. Now we're going to transform into a Christian. Well, the question is, how do I do that? If I told you to transform into a doctor, the first thing you would say is, man, how do I do that? How do I become a doctor? I can't become a doctor. I don't have any idea how to become a doctor. So I guess the first thing that I would tell you is that what you need to do is to get the knowledge on how to do that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You'd have to try to search and find out the information as to how to become a doctor. Well, there's no difference in becoming a Christian. It's not something that we are born with. We have to learn to study to be a Christian. That's why, that's why uh, Paul says, study. A workman that not needeth be ashamed, but a rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. When I study, then I can learn how to transform to become a Christian. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18, there's, I'm going to give you a few examples of what the Bible says. It says, Love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fevering in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patience and tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, disturbing, distributing the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Well, there's a little bit of insight. And then if we go on down to the next verse, on down to Romans verse 14. Let's see, I got mixed up there, but it's... Uh, well, this verse says, but though, blessed are those who persecute you, blessed, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, do not set your mind on high things, but, as, but associate with the humble, do not be wise in your own opinion. And then he goes in verse 17, it says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live in peace with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give, peace to, give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for it is in so doing you will heap coals of fire upon his head. These aren't things that the world practices, are they? These are things that a Christian practices. These are things that a Christian has to learn in their life. If I'm going to abhor evil and cling to that which is good, I've got to, to learn to develop that in my heart. If I'm going to be affectionate to my brother and giving preference to one another, I have to learn those things in my heart. If I'm going to be steadfast in prayer, it's something that I'm going to have to practice at. If I'm going to have to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, I'm going to have to practice that too. You see, I'm going to have to learn love. That's what it simply is. When the lawyer asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all, what was his answer? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. If I practice all these things, am I not developing love in my heart? If, if I develop love in my heart, then I'm going to become more Christ-like, aren't I? 
And wasn't it John who said that when we learn to love the brother, that we have passed from death to life? When we begin to love those things, when we begin to transform ourselves into the Christian that God would have us to be, we begin to take on eternal life. Galatians 5 and chapter 16 in Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the, the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things which you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are under the law. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envy, mur murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to love. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in the trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Or if anyone thinks himself to be any something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. Then when we have rejoicing in oneself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own burdens. These things are taught to us by God Almighty through his word. If we practice these things, and he also tells us the things of the world there, if we practice these things that are the fruits of the Spirit, then heaven can be our home, and we transform from one being to another. The Philippian brethren, they were, they were taking this knowledge that Paul had given them, and they were learning and applying it to their life. They were becoming more like Paul. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, And this I pray, that your love, that you may, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Paul was praying to the Philippians that they would grow in knowledge. The Thessalonians were doing this, just that. They were growing in knowledge. They were learning to quit worshiping idols and begin to worship the true and living God. First, Thessal First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the church of God, which are in Judea and Jesus Christ. For you also suffer the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. These people endured persecution. They laid hold of the word. You know, a person's faith is no greater than, the, than his works. That's what James chapter 2 and verse 24 says. It says, you show us your faith by your works. Not that works can save a person, but that if we believe and conjoin that with works, we show the world that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They endured persecution, the persecution that Paul endured. And they endured it willingly. Christ suffered for them. They lived that way because they knew that the, that the reward was great. And they wanted that reward. They wanted to lay hold on eternal life. They worked. 
In Thessalonians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all of Macedonia and Achia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. They took the word and they lived it so that they didn't have to say anything. Other people saw their actions. When you're living something, when you're a certain way, other people can see that. When you go out here and you do things of the world, people see that you're of the world. When you go out here and you do things of the Spirit, people see that you're of the Spirit. And that, that says a lot, just the actions that you have. And they, their actions spread forth over all of Macedonia. That when Paul said to them that we don't need to say anything. People conceive what you are and what you stand for. And so he told them that they became imitators of him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. For you, are, for you brethren became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea and Jesus Christ. For you also suffered the same things with your own countrymen just as they did from the, from the Judeans. You know, we're... If we're going to be Christians, we're going to have to suffer in this world. We're going to have to withstand persecution. I thank God a lot that I don't live in a country where I can't come to church and worship my God. But there are so many others in this world that don't have that right or opportunity to do it. So many others that are meeting today that, that are in peril because of it. And these people were no different. They were in peril from the Jewish countrymen. But they were willing to suffer the, <clears throat> they were willing to suffer that persecution. Why? Because they considered themselves no different than their Lord. Christ suffered. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty one and twenty two it says, For to this you you this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin. Am I different than my Lord? Am I any different than he to walk upon this earth and suffer persecution for what I believe in? I thank God every day that I don't have to do that. Oh, there are small persecutions that we all bear, and sometimes we think that's overbearing, but really it's not. Especially when we hear about those who are in different countries who are killed just for having a Bible. That's a sad situation. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 tells us something. It says that we're the light of the world. A city that's hidden upon a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world shines forth. You walk into a room and you turn on the light and it exposes everything around it. So therefore you can, can stop from running into things or having problems in your life. But the other thing about it is it exposes everything in there that you might not want to see. And so that's what we do to the world if we live a righteous life. We're a light for the world to look at. And when they look at us, they might not like their own life. And because they don't like their own life, they don't want to stop, but they don't want it exposed either. And so, they, so there's something that happens. John chapter 3 and verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. If you live like you should, in this world in which we live, and you go through this world being a Christian, your goodness is going to affect someone else without you saying a word. 
If you if you're asked if you how do you what's your feeling against abortion? And you say, well, I don't like abortion. And that person likes abortion. Maybe that person is for abortion. That person gets angry because you're going against the way they feel. If they say, well, what do you think about divorce and remarriage? And you say, well, God said one woman for one man. And that person may be living in adultery or may have a loved one that's living in adultery and that makes them mad. And so they come off at you. But those things, we should know that that's going to happen because that's exactly what God said. It said everyone practicing evil hates the light. And God says that we're the light, that light that's set up on the hill. So we're going to run into instances in our life where people aren't going to like us because we stand for what's right. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 36, Jesus makes a very profound statement. He says, a man's enemies will be those of his own house. That's sad, isn't it? Family members that turn against us because we stand for the truth. Family members that don't like the way that we feel or think because it's different from theirs. But if it's truth, it's truth. The Thessalonians were one who received the word of God as the word of God, but it just wasn't a, fo- it just wasn't a foolish receipt. It was backed upon evidence. It was backed upon the Old Testament. It was backed upon things that they could prove without a shadow of a doubt that this man Christ, that this man Jesus was the Christ. We have the evidence that we need today. It's called the Bible. Without a shadow of a doubt, we can prove that God exists. Without a shadow of a doubt, we can prove that it is God's word. Now, how do we feel about that Bible? Do we receive it with open arms? Do we receive it as God's truth? Or do we receive it as over three to five million copies have been produced and that's great? Or do we receive it as, well, I don't want anything to do with it because it just tells me everything that I'm doing wrong. Our attitude towards that perception is going to determine how how our life is going to be affected. These people, when they heard the truth, they investigated the truth with the evidence And then they acted upon the truth. And because of that, Paul says that they were blessed. When we look at the Bible, I pray that we look at it as what it really is. It's the Word of God. It's not just some book. It's not just something that was penned by different men. It was something that was inspired of God to be written by these men. And when we read it, when we study it, it's the mind of God and it should affect our lives. It will affect our lives. One way or the other, it will affect our lives. These people were suffering persecution, waiting for the day of the return of the Lord, willingly because they thought the reward was worth it. The reward is worth it. Heaven can be our home. Revelations tells us that there's no crying, no pain, no suffering, all no death, all the former things are passed away. What a beautiful, beautiful place it must be. I hope to get there. I want you to go with me.